0: and fasting quickly smashes snacking because you have to test before you eat again. People just eat because they're bored or they need a a pick-me-up or a dopamine hit or for a whole bunch of other reasons. And just checking your blood sugar to see if you actually need to refuel is is just the ultimate way to blitz snacking. And it's gamified weight loss. People want to chase a lower trigger, so they get motivated to go, okay, I'm going to get a lower trigger, so I'm going to wait a little bit longer. And that's like the the rings on your your Apple smartwatch or whatever it is that you you need. you need to get that. And that's the bigger priority. You gamifying this weight loss, diabetes reversal, and it just works really nicely.
1: This is Living Your Big, Bold Life podcast, and I'm your host, Beth Lucas. I am a mom of six crazy kids. I work as a VP in a fast-paced industry, and I've been on a health journey. But what does living your big, bold life even mean? living boldly is having the courage to finally listen and do what your heart has been trying to tell you all along. Maybe it's to take back your health, write the book, go for the job, run the race. And I'm here to help you listen to that voice and to remind you to be you boldly. The world needs you. everyone. It's Beth, host of Living Your Big Bold Life podcast. Today's episode is all things data-driven fasting. I hope if you're someone who has wanted to learn more, that this episode does exactly that. That it gives you kind of the who, what, why, and how on data-driven fasting. Part one, I interview the creator of DDF, Marty Kendall. So whether you are new to intermittent fasting, whether you have been intermittent fasting for years, this is the data-driven fasting episode for you. On part two of this episode, I did a DDF challenge, and I'm going to share with you kind of my top takeaways. In part one, you guys, I knew very little about DDF, and that's actually when I wanted to interview Marty because I wanted this to be kind of a 101 episode, kind of an episode where if you knew nothing about DDF, that this could be a resource for you. Or maybe you have been doing DDF for the last few years and you just want to share it with a friend. That is what part one is really meant to be. Part two is meant to be kind of a highlight of what I gleaned from my experience with DDF, but also what I'm seeing the members who are having success on their health journey and weight loss journey and diabetes journey, what they are saying is working for them and kind of why DDF is such an important tool for their journey. So I really hope you enjoy today's episode and like Marty says, DDF is kind of IF, intermittent fasting, 2.0. It's kind of taking another step on your journey. And here on Living Your Big Bold Life podcast, I want you to have every possible tool out there for your health journey so that if and when it makes sense for you, your friend, your brother, your mom, you have it there to access. And I hope that's what Big Bold Life does for you. Let's get to Marty. Hello, everybody. Hi, Marty. Welcome to Living Your Big Bold Life podcast. Again, Again because you know, you're one of my favorites. <laughs> I feel like in the community and out there in all the health discussions, there's all these questions around the new kind of term, data-driven fasting what the heck is it? Who should do it? How the heck do you do it? And and kind of why? And Marty is the lead and the expert on this exact topic. And he's really passionate about having you understand why data-driven fasting could really be, like I talk about so often on Living Your Big Bold Life podcast, a really powerful tool your tool belt. Really at the end of the day I think Marty and I think pretty similarly where we want you to wear these tools and we want to give you as many as possible so that you can find the right ones that work for you and have the best health results possible, have the best weight loss results possible and I think there's a quite a few out there that don't know what data driven fasting is. You know, you keep hearing about it, you keep but you don't know what the heck it is. Marty is here to shed all the light on all your questions.
0: Thank you for your support in this.
1: This is so exciting. So, Marty, what the heck is data-driven fasting? What is it?
0: Uh, Yeah, it's just something we thought up maybe five years ago. Um, Wife is type 1 diabetic, so blood sugars make a whole lot of sense. So it's a a way of just using your blood sugar as a fuel gauge to understand whether you need to eat now or whether you can wait. So it's a way of dialing in your fasting intermittent fasting or whatever you want to call it to actually understand whether you need to fuel now or you don't need to fuel and what you need to fuel with so if you've got if your blood sugars are a little bit elevated you're hungry then you don't need fuel um you just need protein and nutrients but if your blood sugar drops below your trigger it's time to eat and you can eat a, a good hearty meal with some energy. And and as that trigger continues to drop down, um, people just continue to chase that trigger a lower pre-meal blood sugar. And as that happens, everything else falls into place. So it's just a really nice way of fine-tuning your fasting routine, especially for people who are stuck.
1: And I think that that is so key because a lot of people probably come to you and come to me and say, "Bet." I've been intermittent fasting. I had great results at first mm-hmm. and I kind of stuck. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I can't kind of figure out how to fix that. Mm-hmm. So effectively, you're using blood sugars as a way to say, okay, eat now. Okay, don't eat now. And what does that look like for, let's say, I am a new data driven fasting challenge member. You host these challenges. Yeah. And how often do people have to take their blood sugars? How much tracking are they doing? How much time does that take? What does that kind of look like?
0: Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm an engineer by day, so I love the data and I love all the numbers. But I've tried to be a biohacker for a while, and I understand even in myself, there's a point where you go, I don't want to track everything, I don't want to quantify everything, and there's something inside your brain that sort of explodes when you try to put too many controls on it. You try to track calories and track your steps and track your sleep and throw on a continuous glucose monitor, and then something inside you just goes, I can't live like this forever. So what we understand, you need some quantification, you need to track something, but we always want to have people track the minimum effective dose of tracking. So in baselining, there's three days where eat normally, eat as per usually would, and then just grab a blood sugar machine when you feel hungry and um, choose to eat and say, what's my blood sugar before I eat? Um, when do I feel hungry? So that sets your baseline for you. And that varies depending on, you know, so many factors and it just says, you know, what's your personalised trigger? And then after three days of baselining, you just wait until you're a little bit below it, not a lot below it because the problem with extended fasting, I think a lot of the time people wait too long and by the time their blood sugars have dropped below what they're comfortable with, they just eat anything and everything and they go for the most energy dense, potentially nutrient poor, low protein type of foods. But if you do that again and again and again, you're just losing potentially lean mass, um, maybe gaining body fat over time and and not getting the results you want. So a lot of people stall out and data-driven fasting is just a way to help people fine-tune that process and say, you know, am I fasting too long? Do we need to fast a little bit longer? Am I having too many snacks? Should I have some carbs now or should I avoid the carbs? And then a lot of people coming from a keto background, you know, what we find is that um, if you're on a high-fat diet, then you know carbs will spike your blood sugar quickly, but fats will stop your blood sugar from coming down over the long term. So if you're eating too much fat, your blood sugars don't actually drop down. So um, maybe you need to dial back your fat so it can use your body fat. You want to do the fat in your diet, not uh, eat a whole lot of extra fat if you want to lose body fat.
1: You track them kind of for three days, and yeah. you're tracking it every time right before you eat. You're taking yeah. your butcher... And so let's say I'm an intermittent faster. I normally do an 18.6, let's yep. say. During those three days, would I only track it until my eating window, or would I do anything during that other 18 hours?
0: If you want to, you can track your waking blood glucose just to keep a track of that, but you don't need to. If you want more data, you can track your other things. But just keeping it simple is really, really, really important, keeping it simple and sustainable is just the most important thing to prevent overwhelm and ensure people can continue with the process so during that if you're doing a a 16-8 sort of thing you just you know when do I feel hungry enough to eat I'm gonna track my blood sugar before I eat maybe I'll have a snack I'll track then I'll have dinner I'll, I'll track then and that's all you have to do so maybe two or three blood sugars a day is all you really need to do.
1: So I think that's really key for people to hear because I think they think data and they think, oh my gosh, this is going to take so much time. And, you know, and really that's pretty simple. Mm -hmm. Let's say I tracked my uh, blood glucose. Let's just use a random number. Let's say it was 80. Is that an okay number to use? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So let's say it's, I've been tracking my pre-meal blood sugar is 80 At what point then after the three days of tracking it, then do you know what your trigger is? How do you know it's your trigger?
0: Yeah, so we've got the Data Driven Fasting app. You enter the pre-meal blood sugars into that. After three days, it says congratulations. You can move on to hunger training, and it gives you your trigger, which is 80, which is the average of your pre-meal for the first three days of tracking. So and and the little app is just a we started with a spreadsheet and some people dig spreadsheets, but most people don't. But the app is just really simple and just gives you step by step guidance to tell you what to do next.
1: Oh, that's awesome. So I think that's probably I think that's a light bulb moment for a Mm. lot of people. I think a lot of people say well, gosh, how will I know? And I I realized through your challenge, you kind of walk people through that. But I think knowing that, okay, I only have to take it for three days. I only have to take it this many times. Hmm. Then once someone knows what their trigger is, how often do you find people are typically taking their blood sugars on kind of an ongoing basis
0: then? Yeah, so initially people want to take a lot more. Blood sugars, and while you're waiting for your blood sugar to drop below your trigger, people go, Oh, yeah, I think I'm hungry. in their test, and it. it's like, Okay, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm still above my trigger, so I need to wait a little bit longer. And before too long, they go, Okay, I wasn't really hungry, I didn't really need food, so I'll skip the little pinprick feeling and wait a little bit longer next time. So it quickly goes from, you know, maybe five to 10 a day because they're really eager and they want all the data to. Two or three a day, and they they get a better sensation of the true hunger, and that's a really key component of it. We want to put people in touch with their their true hunger and understand, you know, the feeling that their, their mental sensations, their physical sensations, with the actual need for food. And if you're fasting to a, a, a clock, that's you know, your friend was working uh, four hours a day eating windows working great for them Uh, you know who knows what's going to work for you or tracking calories you're trying to stay under 1500 calories or whatever who knows what you need actually on that day so if you're actually testing your personal fuel gauge which is your blood sugar you can actually calibrate your energy needs day to day to your actual need for food.
1: I love so much of what that means because I think too often times we try to force certain things. Mm. You know, we try to force, well, my friend does a 19.5, mm. so I have to do a 19.5 mm. because she lost all this weight doing yeah. that. One, yeah, right? Yeah. Or I do a 19.5, so I have to do a 19.5 every day. Yeah. And it's like, no, we. it's so much more common sense if you really think about it that mm. some days your window's probably are going to be longer some days you're gonna be hungrier some yeah. days you're gonna need less like I yeah. I think that the more we can emphasize that in this community the better success people are going to have mm. because mm. I think too oftentimes there's just this this force we're forcing mm. something that's really not the best fit for all yeah. of us I, I I just we get really dogmatic as you and yeah. I have talked out, right, like yeah, it has yeah. to be this way. I can only do it this way. And what <laughs> it sounds like DDF is doing is saying no. It's much more. It's it's much more complex than that. Your body is, yeah. but we're simplifying it yeah. on how to how to make it make it work for you. So
0: yeah.
1: okay, now for those people that don't know, what is a continuous glucose monitor? What is it?
0: Yeah. This this is my simple contour next one blood sugar meter, which I I use. My wife uses a continuous glucose monitor, which okay. she actually wears as a type one diabetic. So she's on this closed loop insulin pump system, which is designed for type one diabetic people with type one diabetes. But a lot of people these days are getting enamored with plugging a continuous glucose monitor on and seeing their blood sugars every five minutes. But I mean there's nothing more complex that I've done as an engineer than try to tame my wife's blood sugars and insulin every two or three days. I'll be tweaking her basal doses and, you know, it, it's a real mind explosion and, and I see a lot of people, you know, everybody's getting a continuous glucose monitor so I need one too to help, you know, understand my health. But they get so enamored and... Perplexed with all the data, all the little numbers. And, you know, I sneezed. My blood sugar went up by three points. What should I do? Am I going to gain fat? I, <laughs> you know, I, I I had a black coffee for breakfast, and my blood sugar went up ten points. You know, am I am I gaining fat because of my black coffee? Maybe I'll you know have a bulletproof coffee, and there's a thousand calories of fat. And my blood sugar stayed flatline there. You know, it's just like no, 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 no. Let's simplify. All you need to know is, do you need to fuel? Right now, when you feel hungry, I feel hungry. I want to validate that hunger. Am I really hungry? Do I really need to refuel? Yes, no. Proceed to eating. And just so many people fall off the wagon and get overwhelmed with all that data and don't actually make enough, they don't get actionable information out of all that data. And a lot of the time, they, you know, lots of people in the keto sphere I've seen end up, you know, let's swap our carbs for more fat and I want a protein. Might raise my blood sugar too, so I'll avoid protein too. And all of a sudden, they're on this 80% ketogenic high fat diet that is designed for people with epilepsy, dementia, Parkinson's, and Alzheimer's, and trying to lose body fat. And it just doesn't work. It just, you know, they, they have very low satiety and just keep on having to eat all the time. So we just say, you know, skip all the complexity, skip the thousands of dollars. You can pay your rent, buy food, and all you need to do is buy the little blood sugar meter, which is so much more simple and cost-effective, and you don't have to wear something all the time.
1: See, I think a lot of people, and myself included early in this process, didn't know the difference because I saw the term CGM all the time. Mm, It was mm. like, so I just assumed... Well, they're all CGMs. And mm. I think what I hope people listening who are maybe more like me and newer to this sphere of monitoring blood sugars mm. is what Marty showed you is a Contour Next one that you can mm. buy on Amazon, right? Yeah. I mean, you can- so
0: it's like really cheap, and a lot of the time you can get them for free if you're on some sort of healthcare cover. Or-
1: yeah, and and with that one, yes, you do have to prick your finger. It does not hurt. I own one. <laughs> It's, it's super Ah. easy, but when you see your Instagram feed and you see the movie stars or people wearing the CGMs, I think what Marty is hitting home here is, okay, you can get one, sure, but you don't really need it. And at some point that amount of data bombarding you Mm. might be pretty overwhelming. Really, like you said, it's not causing you to take actionable Mm. kind of steps. And so I think bottom line, Marty, what I'm hearing from you is world. You don't need to have a CGM unless you really want one. You can buy the much cheaper, totally accurate, come for next one or, or whatever Mm. on Amazon or get it through your insurance for free. Mm. And it does exactly what you need for data-driven fasting.
0: Mm. Yeah. You just need actionable data and too much data our brains explode so yeah that's what alex and i found over the years is data is great we love data but you need actionable data and you need to keep it really simple and make the decision process you know do i need to eat yes no oh but i'm really hungry my blood sugar's a little bit high i don't need fuel i just need nutrients and you can't go wrong from there if you if you give your body nutrients when you're hungry with less fuel, and then actually refuel when your blood sugar is low, and uh, y- y- you're laughing—it's—it's it's just impossible to go wrong at that point. And then if you just continually chase a lower pre-meal blood sugar, which the app guides you through, yeah, yeah everything just falls into place. You, you you drop your blood glucose, you drop your body fat, oh, you drop the fat in your in your blood, and then you can draw down on the fat in your body. So, but you've got a the, the blood sugar is the most yeah, because blood sugar has to be burnt off first before the fat in mm-hmm. your, your, your blood, and then the fat on your body. You have to draw down on the on the glucose first. That's the most reliable, instantaneous fuel gauge you can use to track, to guide your eating routine.
1: And another thing that I know you and I talked about the last time you were on our on the podcast, but I think is is something you mentioned that I want to highlight is the importance that a lot of people stall out on a keto-type diet mm. or or a lower-carb diet, and they kind of don't know why. Mm. And you highlight so well that, that a lot of times, yes, fat doesn't raise your blood sugars, mm. but that's often why people think, oh, well, I can just ha- eat mm. all the fat I want. I don't, it doesn't matter. I can just, to lose more weight, I'll just keep up, up in my fat.
0: Yeah. Or I'll ketones and fats to free food because it doesn't raise insulin and it, yeah, it doesn't work.
1: It doesn't work that way. And fat for many of us can be a great satiety tool. Mm. You know, there's some of us who can increase fat a little bit to help our satiety. Food tastes better. We eat less of it. However, one of the things you talk about in your "Big Fat Keto Lies" book is how that that thought process though is flawed—that you can just eat as much cream, butter, cheese as you want.
0: Yeah, no, very very correct. And in data-driven fasting, people find that you know carbs raise the blood sugars quickly, but they also come down quickly. But if you add, if you just eat fat, your blood sugars will stay more stable, but they won't drop. Um, but the, the you know what we keep saying is is fat plus carbs will raise your blood sugar a lot. You'll eat a lot of food, and your blood sugars will stay elevated for a long time. So people quickly realize that those foods—the donuts, the croissants, the cookies, the cake—that you can just eat infinite amounts of and never get full—are not going to allow your blood sugar to drop. So what's the you know, you reverse engineer that process and what you're left is is focusing on higher protein nutrient density and people actually see their blood sugar drop really quickly and they can eat again quite soon. And you're giving your body the, the nourishment it needs, the protein it needs, so you're not losing precious lean mass. And you get to you know, you might be skinny but you're really hungry and you've lost all your muscles your your basal metabolic rate is through the floor and you can't live cold miserable depressed skinny fat for very long and you'll rebound binge and that's the cycle yes. a lot of people find themselves in So i suppose we've tried to design this to help solve for people who have hit that wall with their fasting routine
1: so the other thing i'm hearing from you as well is that a lot of people it seems like are figuring out that maybe a shorter window isn't always what they need mm. and so I think you know a lot of people when they're stuck on their fasting journey, let's say they they've been fasting for 186 they, mm. they're an 186 protocol and they're stuck. a lot of times the advice would be we'll shorten your window mm. We'll shorten your window. Mm. And I'm not saying that advice doesn't work for some, yeah. but there's also a large component that actually widening your window a little bit can yeah. be a powerful tool too. Marty, can you explain to us why data-driven fasting kind of makes that make sense? Why? Yeah. Why is it that for for you know, let's say it's me? Why do I do better uh, doing kind of more of a six to seven hour window uh whereas when i do kind of a three to four hour window it just doesn't Mm. work really well for me i don't see the results uh that i want to see how does data-driven fasting explain that
0: yeah yeah no great question um i'm completely fascinated with this process and it's been really interesting to to learn about all this stuff And yeah people think that you know more is better or less is better and if you know if Fasting for days on end is good. Maybe fast, you know, a one-hour window is great. And but if you get to the point where you haven't eaten for twenty-three hours and you've only got one hour to eat, your lizard brain's going to say, "Just you know, go for the cream." Uh, the, I I love peanut butter and yogurt. And um, you know, you just hammer down whatever you can as quickly as you can, and you make quite poor food choices for very. Energy dense, nutrient poor, and it's really hard to get adequate nutrients and protein in a very compressed window. Um, it's you know you really need two feedings typically for most people to get enough protein across the day. So data driven fasting allows, and you don't you don't get as hungry. So you just get a little bit hungry, you eat, and then you wait again until you actually need to refuel. So you've got two punctuated times in the day when you actually eat well and if you're fasting so long that your food quality starts to diminish and you're making really poor food choices at that point. If um if you know the the healthy meal, you don't always have to have chicken and broccoli or whatever. That's the typical bodybuilder meal. But if you're if if you're thinking of donuts and pizza and you know everything that you know is bad food. Yeah, yeah, I'm just hungry. I deserve it. Let's go. If you're at that point, you've probably pushed it too long. So a lot of people find that they end up with two or three meals a day or one and one and two meals a day instead sort of alternate based on their blood sugar trigger and often front-loading their, their, their protein. So maybe you've got dawn phenomenon and your blood sugars rise a little bit in the morning but you're actually hungry, so a little you know protein snack or a protein-heavy meal on the day will actually drop their blood sugars again so they can eat again, so they're getting adequate protein not excess protein but adequate protein across the day and then the, the satiety kicks in and you forget about food and yeah, it just couldn't be happier with results that you actually see in real life people just go oh, i just started this and it's working so well and i've lost so much weight and i've never had this breakthrough before so yeah that's why i keep throwing all my time and energy into this because it's just great to see the results
1: well, I think there's a few light bulb moments here for people is one, if they're fasting and let's say they're they're not just starting fasting today, but let's say they've been fasting for a while and they're finding themselves making poor food choices. Data-driven fasting may show you that you might be fasting too much or you might be doing too small a window. And I think that's one light bulb that goes off. And when Marty refers to energy-dense foods, I think that's something that some of us at first, well, what's energy dense foods? Well, you're talking about foods that are like a croissant, like a mm. donut, like mm-hmm. a chocolate where it's mixing that carbs and yeah. that, that yeah. fat together, right?
0: Yeah. They are you to fill both your glucose and your fat stores at the same time. And you just, you know, you, your body loves that. You get this massive dopamine hit and it when your blood sugar is really, really, really low, it just—it's the perfect solution, and that your lizard brain wants to just keep eating, and you eat. there's no off switch for those foods, and you'll overeat them at that point. So that's why people end up stalling out if they don't look after their food quality when they when they eat. But I suppose that you know we we want people to start as simple as possible and make yes. the progress that they can just with their blood sugars and chasing their pre meal trigger.
1: I find sometimes people think, you know, I've been fasting for this long. It doesn't matter if I open with a carb. It doesn't matter if I open with something that has a lot of sugar. It doesn't matter if I open with whatever. Mm. And what I hear over and over again, and I think you're finding on data-driven fasting, is that what we open our window with does matter and it does help us Mm. or hurt
0: us. What have you found yeah, we, uh, we did a bunch of data analysis where we, we love the data and um, got half a million days of MyFitnessPal data and about 50,000 days of uh, optimizer data that we crunched and found that um, higher protein foods tend to create greater satiety, which just means that people eat less across the day when they have a higher percentage of protein from the food they eat. So um, yeah, so that that's a really nice hack, especially earlier in the day. If you front load your proteins, so the first meal when you get hungry it doesn't have to be at five a.m. when you first wake up, but when you first start to feel hungry and motivated to eat, maybe that's ten o'clock, maybe that's two o'clock. Um, make sure that first meal is high percentage protein foods, so you try to cut back on the fat and the carbs and give your body the nutrients it needs and that tends to um, just be really satiating and um, gives your body what it actually needs after a fast to rebuild your muscles and replenish everything that it needs. And then later in the day, if you're still hungry and you're much below your trigger, you can then refuel with fat or carbs or or both with still protein centric and nutrient centric, but you can afford to fill your energy stores if you need to later on.
1: Marty, the other thing that I think you highlighted earlier in the interview was the importance of kind of more eating more meals versus Mm. kind of a grazing approach in your window.
0: Yeah.
1: I've really noticed the same when Mm. I kind of have a main meal, and I don't snack, and maybe I have a lighter meal later or like an appetizer-type meal later, that works for me. Mm. But if I graze the whole time during my window, I don't have as good a results.
0: Yeah, yeah. some people I've seen go, oh, yeah, my my fasting window was only four hours, but that involved a four-course feast that I just ate whatever I could and ever I wanted to at that point. And if, if that's what your four hours looks like, it's just, you know, might be yummy, but it, it may not lead you to the results you want.
1: That makes a lot of sense. And it's also why before people really start fasting, I'll notice if they just stop snacking in mm. between the meals, yeah, yeah. then it really makes a difference.
0: Yeah, yeah. down fasting quickly smashes snacking because you have to test before you eat again. And if you're snacking just because you're bored or, you, you know, your mouth is lonely, there's <laughs> a great Japanese term for it that I've forgotten right now. But, uh, you know, people just eat because they're bored or they need a, a pick-me-up or a dopamine hit or for a whole bunch of other reasons. And, and just checking your blood sugar to see if you actually need to refuel is is just the ultimate way to blitz snacking. And as you get excited, people, it's gamified weight loss people want to chase a lower trigger so they get motivated to to go okay i'm gonna gonna get a lower trigger so i'm gonna wait a little bit longer and you know i can't can't it's like the the rings on your 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 apple smartwatch or whatever it is that you you know you need to get that and that's the bigger priority and You're gamifying this uh you know weight loss diabetes reversal and it just works really nicely
1: i think that that is so cool because like you said, you know, we have been told and trained to snack all day. We really Mm. have for Mm. the last 20 some years. And now with this data that we're getting, we're showing, no, we don't need to snack all the time. It's not good for our health to snack all the time. And we look at our ancestors. They weren't able to snack all the time. They were fasting, quote unquote, in a lot of ways. And so now, Marty, a couple questions before we kind of end today that we got from some of our group members, mm. um, both in my group called Motivate uh, with my Betty Lou and your mm. uh, data-driven fasting groups. One was, Marty, if someone's already eating a pretty high-nutrient-dense diet, yeah. they are prioritizing protein, how does data-driven fasting help them? or Are they a good applicant for it?
0: Yeah, it sounds like they've solved the what to eat side of the equation and data-driven fasting helps with uh, when to eat and how much without tracking food. Um, So it's still possible to overeat. Like if if you're eating nutrient-dense, high-protein foods, you're much less likely to be overeating. But if you've still got body fat to lose, um, then data-driven fasting can help guide those windows of actually telling you when you need to eat. So yeah, it solves the the, the energy balance equation without actually tracking your food. So if you still got body fat to lose, it can help people dial that in.
1: And I will say from my personal experience, I think you nailed that on the head because on early in my journey, I was really frustrated, Marty, because I felt like I was eating really well. Mm. I was eating high nutrient, good food. Mm. And I think at the end of the day, I just was eating too often or too mm. much. Mm. And I think that's what you're saying there with DDF is that mm. data-driven fasting, yeah, you can be eating healthy mm. and still have body fat to lose. And mm. and sometimes just eating healthy isn't the only tool you need. We've kind of talked about, you know, the who, the what, how it works. Is there anyone you're kind of like, yeah, yeah, ddf isn't really for you is there anyone out there that you're like nah data-driven fasting isn't a good fit for you
0: yeah you'd think this is ideal for someone with raging type 2 diabetes but um, and not for people who have great blood sugars already but we've seen a whole bunch of people who have you know fairly low healthy blood sugars and what you think is a low level of body fat but they want to push a little bit further and ddf works Really well for, for those people, um, which is really cool. Um, one group potentially is people who are injecting insulin. They need to manage the insulin dosing because they could cheat by injecting more insulin, um, which is going to mess up the system. So if you're injecting more insulin, right. your blood sugars will drop and you'll just get hungry and overeat. But it's, uh, you know, 98.5% of the population don't need to worry about. That because they're not injecting insulin so um the insulin in your body is is a factor is proportional to the amount of body fat you're holding and the amount of energy eating so um for most people it's a matter of dialing back your body fat and how much you eat to reduce your overall insulin requirements um and other people you know if you're you're breastfeeding or, or pregnant or um you've you've reached that ideal body weight and um you're feeling cold, depressed, tired. Monthly cycles start to fall off. We say, you know, let's let's woe back. Let's go to maintenance. We've got a maintenance mode that enables people just to you know maintain their weight. Most people get to their goal and then rebound binge, but we've got a maintenance mode that enables people to have a little, a slightly higher trigger that um, will enable them to guide their eating to to maintain their, 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 their weight loss. So yeah.
1: I loved your last point there on, on kind of if someone's super tired, if they're kind of bur- in burnout. Mm. And on last week's podcast, I was really explaining how rest and taking breaks sometimes is almost just as powerful mm. as your typical routine. Yeah. And I think what I, I see too often is people are burnt out, they're tired, their stress is out the roof. And yet they're still trying to force, yeah. you know, fasting and trying to, and it's kind of like, no, get your stress under, under mm, control, mm, get your mm. sleep under control. Maybe take a time out a little bit, like yeah. take a break yeah. because Marty's tools can't help you. And a lot of the tools out there can't help you if, if your cortisol is all yeah. out of whack or yeah. if you're, or if you're exhausted and not yeah. And not sleeping, yeah, it's definitely. kind of maybe figuring those things out first. So I like that you highlight that because too often times I think people are at that burnout stage and they're not kind of saying, oh, I need to fix that first, mm, mm, you know, before diving yeah. into, into like a data-driven fasting.
0: Yeah, definitely a challenge even for me to, um, to find all that life balance and get it all together.
1: We've talked about kind of who should use it. What other questions am I missing before we come to a close? Are there any other things that you get kind of all the time that you're like, want to shout from the rooftops, like about data-driven fasting?
0: Yeah. um, It's really simple. At its essence, it's really simple. It's a decision-making tool for whether you need to refuel now. And um, over the last nine months, we've had literally hundreds of questions from people that we've tried to answer and then record the answers in our frequently asked questions and develop this massive manual that's basically a a diabetes and nutrition textbook. Um, And people go, well, there's so much information. It's like, no, no, okay, we've, we've got the answers ready for you when you have the questions as you go through the challenge. But just start the challenge, go on the journey, just relax, like you said, and let your blood sugars guide you to understand whether you need to refuel or not. And you'll start to understand your true hunger signals and get in touch with your body's true need for food. And, and when you outsource that to a, a fixed clock routine, or if you try to track your calories on, a, on an iPhone, just outsourcing your satiety mechanism just doesn't work for the long term. And, and you're your lizard brain finds a way to, to work around that and outsmart your cerebral brain to, um, to make sure you don't die and, and don't, don't starve to death. So if you are able to make friends with your true hunger signals and learn to use them to your advantage, people get great results if they just keep it simple.
1: So in summary, kind of looking back now to our discussion, you need a glucose monitor. You will do kind of three days that they'll guide you through on this challenge. They guide you through, but you'll kind of do a three days of testing your blood sugars to see where your kind of baseline trigger. Am I saying Mm -hmm. that right, Marty? Okay.
0: Perfect. And then,
1: then, okay.
0: (laughs) Um,
1: And then... From that point forward, they'll use your app that you'll have your, you have that baseline trigger number and you'll enter that into the app. And then you'll use that kind of from that point forward, Mm -hmm. knowing when to eat. So really, do they need anything else? Do they have to buy anything else besides, besides joining the challenge? If they want to join this challenge to do this, is there anything else they need to buy?
0: Uh, most people have a set of scales that they can use if they want to, to track their weight loss. Um, and of people, if they can to track their body fat percentage to make sure that they're actually losing fat and not lean mass, but that's not critical. Um, no. So once you get into the challenge, all the materials are there, the manual and the app and everything's in there and just follow through. We've got these guides set up. You just go tick, 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 and work through it. And, We've got um, more than 900 people in the current challenge that starts on Saturday, and, but we've developed a community of people that want to help each other because they've had wins and that's just, you know, the information and the, the technology and the systems are one thing, but when it comes alive in a community, it's, it's a beautiful thing.
1: Yeah, and I think that that is what's so exciting about it, right, is mm. that when you see results, And something's working for you, you want to share it. You want to help someone else because you're like, I was frustrated too, or I was stuck too. And so. Marty, if people want to join your challenge, where do they go to join it? How do they find this challenge?
0: Yeah, I'm um, just Google data-driven fasting and we've got a bunch of articles and you can join the challenge at datadrivenfasting.com or on Facebook, we've got a big group where you can jump in and ask all your questions before you want to jump in to the challenge so yeah we run seven per year and um some people join up with unlimited which allows them just to keep churning through until they get to the goal and then maintain it and if they do really well they come back as a a moderator and keep on grinding on and helping everybody else and building the community around this little technique so
1: i didn't tell marty i was going to ask this part but i feel (laughs) like i have to ask so marty how much does it cost to join the challenge
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, 37 U.S.
1: Great. So for 37 U.S., give up your Starbucks for a few, you know, a few weeks and, and you're golden you, and you can get all this data, all this information and maybe see some really powerful results too mm. that, you know, maybe you've been, and maybe you get to eat more. I, that's what I've heard from a few of your members. Like, I'm eating less. I'm not eating less. I'm eating more. I'm just eating more. I'm just listening to what the data is telling me. And I'm I'm eating, I'm not starving. I'm eating a lot. (laughs) I (laughs) don't
0: have to fast for days at a time or, you know, compress everything into one hour. And I'm eating good, bulky food that really satisfies me. So, yeah.
1: That's wonderful. Well, Everyone, I hope you go check out Data-Driven Fasting, whether the website, you can find all the information there. The Facebook group is phenomenal. I am a member there. And I'm hopeful that this was a great kind of 101 for anyone who kind of wanted to learn more about Data-Driven Fasting. And now they know where to find you if they want to really do a deep dive and uh, join the challenge.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much, Beth.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm super excited to tell you that we are giving away one entry into the June Data-Driven Fasting Challenge. And guess what? I'm going to do it with you. How do you enter? Go into the show notes and join my Motivate private Facebook group. All the details and exclusions and information will be highlighted there. In addition to this amazing giveaway, we're also going to include a Contour Next One blood sugar monitor, the exact one that Marty and I discuss in this episode. This will allow you to hit the ground running for the June Data-Driven Fasting Challenge. If you enter the challenge and don't win, don't worry. The link to join DDF is also in the show notes. I can't wait to see you in Motivate in the DDF Challenge. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. It's Bet. I hope you enjoyed part one of today's episode on data-driven fasting. As promised on part two, I'm going to share with you some of the major takeaways and light bulb moments that not only I had during my time on the DDF challenge, but also what I've seen from those who are having success on their weight loss and health journey due to data-driven fasting. So before we get started, I really liked monitoring my blood sugar. I thought it was Quite fascinating. I liked using the data driven fasting app. I thought it was really easy to use. I enjoyed seeing what foods affected my blood sugar and how they affected my blood sugar. And not just that same day, but maybe the following morning. And I loved also learning about my hunger signals better because I have been on my health journey for some time. Those of you that know a little bit about my journey, I lost over 40 pounds. But But still, there are days where I question my hunger. Am I really hungry or am I not? am I just bored? Is it a hunger wave? Is it kind of a false alarm? And I think sometimes I'm not as confident in that as I want to be. And I think that's what data-driven fasting can help you with. Even someone like me, who's been intermittent fasting off and on for quite a few years, I've had a few babies in the in between the, the few years. I think that it really helped me be confident in my hunger if that makes sense. And it also helped me kind of walk away when it really wasn't time for me to eat. So then I'd go for a walk. I'd jump on the trampoline with the kids, maybe peeing my pants a little bit at the same time. (laughs) But I think you get the point. So here are some top takeaways that I think I want to kind of plant these seeds with you. And then maybe after thinking about these things, maybe it encourages you to think about joining the next Data-Driven Fasting Challenge. The next challenge is in June. So it's perfect timing to sign up. It's $37. And I think you will learn a lot. So number one, I think what a lot of people within the data driven fasting community have found is that their window was too short. I have always had a longer window and longer windows kind of work for me. I've always been kind of in the five to eight hour range. And typically if you wanted to lose weight, the advice was shorten your window, shorten, shorten, shorten. In fact, sometimes I would even provide that window to people in my groups. I'd say, oh, you're not losing at a 16.8. That's not always a weight loss window. You might need to go to a 19.5. However, for me and my journey, I found when my window was too short, too condensed, I didn't make the best food choices and I was much more satisfied and I actually ate less when I segregated my two meals and kind of had a lunch and a dinner or kind of a later breakfast, early lunch, and like an appetizer type meal kind of early evening. That worked so well for me. And that continues to be how I approach my eating and when I actually like to eat, what my body is happy with. And so what I would say is if you are happy with your short window and it's working and you're feeling good, great. If not, DDF can kind of help you see how maybe you could move to a little longer window, isolate your meals, no snacking, and maybe get a little bit more nutrients and protein in your window. So if you're that person who says, I'm binging, I'm making poor food choices, I'm not having success on my window, maybe DDF can help lead you to exactly where I've kind of found fits really well for me, which is one and a half to two meals a day with no snacking and clean fasting in between. I really find that to be kind of a golden Ticket. Number two, window timing. You know, most people listening today, you may have an evening window and that may work fabulous for you. However, my body has always preferred kind of a main meal in the middle of the day. There have been times on my journey where I have had more of a later window, and yet I consistently want to go back to kind of my midday meal being my main meal. And so maybe DDF can show you that exact thing, that a later window, just because Sally or Joe or Susie does it, may not work for you. Or maybe the other window, an earlier window, doesn't work for you. But that, I think, is why I love DDF is because it's not about anyone else's journey or blood sugars or fasting. It's about yours and yours alone and finding the right fit for you. I always talk about fasting shoes. We all have different colors and styles and sizes. And really, I think that's what DDF is going to help you find. If you haven't really found the right fasting shoe, I think that's how I could explain DDF, is DDF helps you find the shoe that fits you best, that you wear and it just Feels good. If you are intermittent fasting today and it just feels good, you're getting the results that you want, then you know what? Great. Don't change a thing. But there's a few of you that feel like your fasting feels still hard and difficult and doesn't feel quite right. I think that's where DDF can shine. It just brings a few more shoe options your direction. Okay, what's another major light bulb moment? As Marty mentioned in the interview, you might be eating too much fat. You guys, I love butter. I love cream, I love cheese, I love all the fats. However, I have found on my journey that if my fat is too high, I can't lose body fat because it's gonna burn that fat instead. So I do eat lower carb, I do eat keto-ish at times. I also take breaks from it. But the answer isn't to just always add fat, add fat, add fat. On DDF, I think you can help find ways to modify your fat percentage to get you the weight and health results You want. That leads nicely into protein. You guys, if you are familiar with my journey, I share over and over again the success I've had when building my plate around a protein. Many of you are familiar with my journey where I lost over 40 pounds, and I credit a lot of that journey to fasting and building my plate around a protein. And I think DDF can help you figure out ways to increase your protein, increase your satiety, and therefore get the results that you want and not overeat or binge on foods that are not serving you. A few other quick ones. A lot of the members are finding that some carbs are actually okay. And they figured out that maybe segregating them in meals, having carbs on one meal and the fats in the other meal really can provide some great results, that the problem child is when the fat and carbs come together. I loved this quote by one of the members that kind of summarizes the fat, protein, carbs discussion. She said, I learned that a lot of added fat is not necessary. A few carbs aren't the devil and protein is king. And I really think that sums it up nicely. That's really my approach. I don't think fat is horrible. Do I think you can eat endless amounts of it? No, I think you can use it as a lever. Make it help your food taste even yummier so that you're even more satiated. I don't think carbs are the devil. I think you can have some carbs, but I think there are strategies to implement them in your diet that can help you have the best results as possible. Last but not least, build your plate around that protein. I think that is key, key, key key. And so many of my episodes discuss this very thing. What else did this highlight? Alcohol is problematic. And many of you know that I drink wine, but I have really made a conscious effort since December, actually, to only drink one to two times a week. And I have noticed so many more benefits on my health journey. I will even take weeks off at a time. I just have found that Alcohol doesn't help me. I enjoy it here and there, but too much of it or having it too often is problematic. And data driven fasting, well, the proof's in the data. When you take your blood sugars after drinking, you'll notice the blood sugar spikes. Now, you might not notice them that night, but you may notice them the next day day. I think it helps you have a really honest discussion on how alcohol may affect you in your health journey. I know Marty mentioned earlier in the, this episode about constant grazing and snacking. And for some of you who are doing DDF, you have no problem. You can snack. And however, for a lot of us, we are more successful, as I said before, segregating our meals, not snacking in between, and clean fasting in between. I really think that, again, that is a golden tip ticket for many of us. Other interesting highlights were how blood sugars were affected based on how much you ate versus what you ate. And some people were finding that if they ate too much food even if it was nutrient dense and and good choices if they overeat it reflected on their blood sugars whereas if they kind of ate within reason and had a little bit of a splurge in their mind and everyone defines a splurge in a different way, that their blood sugars were actually less affected versus the overeating healthy foods. I found that fascinating. There was lots of discussion around how exercise and different exercise strategies can help you lower your blood sugars. And Marty's website and guides really have a wealth of information here on how walks, even short little walks or short little bursts of exercise here and there or some squats and some push-ups, can really help you drop your blood sugar and provide you the ability to get you the results you want and get you to your trigger so you can eat again. To be honest, you guys, My eating really aligns with data-driven fasting and the major kind of principles that they emphasize. So I didn't have to make a ton of adjustments to my diet during this time. However, it was a great consistent reminder on why I choose the foods that I choose and what foods and fasting and exercise are going to help me get me to my goals. And so would I recommend you joining Data-Driven Fasting? Most definitely. For the $37, I think you will come away with fabulous information for your fasting and health journey. And so I hope these takeaways maybe provided you some aha moments, some, oh, I want to learn more about that. So I hope today's kind of takeaways from my experience and the experience of others maybe helped you think, "Huh, I'm really maybe not wearing the best shoe for me right now." Also, what I love about it is that I love to be a constant learner about my body. And I think that's what data-driven fasting can help you with is that it can maybe help you learn a little bit more about you. And really, that's living boldly, is having the courage to not do things the way Sally or Joe does them, right? It's having the courage to figure out what works best for you. I'm reminded of that movie, right? Runaway Bride. Did you ever see it with Julia Roberts and and R- Richard Gere, wasn't it? And they like reunited after Pretty Woman and they break up in Runaway Bride because she always runs away. And doesn't he tell her that I don't want to see you until you've figured out what kind of eggs you like? Because effectively, she just liked the eggs of every boyfriend she had ever had or every, every fiancé she had. Ever had. And there's this scene where she starts trying all the different eggs out there. And I think that, can, that scene could be applied to all of us in a lot of areas of our life. But really, that's what I think we all need to do on our health journey. We need to be constant learners. But most importantly, we need to realize that all of our journeys are unique and that what works for me may not work for you. And that's awesome. And the more data, the more information, the more things we can learn about our journey, I think the better off we will all be so we can find that shoe that fits, we can figure out what kind of eggs we like, and we can all be better for it. Thank you for being here today, you guys. And friends, don't forget to look in the show notes on how you can join, motivate, enter the Data-Driven Fasting Challenge and Giveaway, and last but not least, don't forget to go live boldly. See you next time. Thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to write a review and push that subscribe button. I also hope you will come hang out with me on Instagram, Facebook, and my new website, vetlucas.com. And remember, friends, be you boldly. The world needs you.